Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I am your host, Rachel Wortman, and I am so glad to have you guys as we are launching and kicking off a three-part series of episodes related to the wealth mindset that God wants you to have. Now, I need to give a couple of disclaimers on the front end of this and let you know that over the last 10 years in particular, my perspective on the word wealth has changed dramatically. Um, And so what I want to say to you is that some of the stuff I'm talking about today might feel far-fetched for you. It might feel challenging to you, and that's okay. I just encourage you to think about it, talk to Jesus about it, and land where you feel like you're supposed to land. I can say that the topics that we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks, um, if I had heard that 10 years ago, I don't know how I would have thought about it. I've had a lot of change in my perspective. And here's why, because I actually started studying the Bible. So before I started reading the Bible, I had a lot of opinions about wealth. And if I even heard the phrase wealth mindset, I would have probably written off whoever was saying that as someone who was arrogant or who was, you know, um, greedy or just vain, you know, like drawing towards vanity. And, um, and so I get that. I get that that's a way that a lot of us approach this, this, at least at the get go. But what I want to say to you is in all of those opinions and judgments that I had, I did not ever sit down and do an in-depth study about what God thinks about money. And shocker, when I did actually devote the time to study the Bible and really engage with the Holy Spirit about money, lo and behold, my perspective began to change. And so that's what I want to share with you over the next three weeks. I want to talk to you about finances and what I'm going to call kingdom finances or a wealth mindset. Now, there's a lot of self-help people out there, the Tony Robbins of the world kind of people who would say, you know, like, be the boss, babe, that you want to be, invest in yourself, hustle hard and, you know, and and earn that cheddar or whatever. Um, and that's not what this series is going to be about. Now, we are going to talk about work ethic a little bit, but I really want us to look at the way that we approach money from a mental and spiritual perspective at least on this three-episode series. So I did an episode on money a year ago, I believe. It's episode number 98, and it's titled God, Mammon, and the Poverty Spirit. And I want to encourage you guys to listen to that episode if you haven't already, because I'm not going to talk about those things in this series since we already talked about it. All right, that's enough of an intro. Let's dive into today's topic. Today we're talking about the three biblical mindsets of wealth, three biblical wealth mindsets. And I'm going to say to you that there are more than these three out there, but these are the three we're going to focus on today. Now, it needs to be said, and I'm going to step on a few toes by saying this, I'm sure, but we don't build wealth simply by saving money. To build wealth, you cannot build wealth simply by saving money. Now, I know people who have amassed a fortune by saving money. 
And, you know, kudos to them. And that's amazing. That's an accomplishment in and of itself. But the difference between having a large bank account balance and wealth mentality has more to do with the ability to make money than it is the ability to save money. So let me just like throw it out from the beginning and we're going to reference this story a couple different times, but you're probably familiar with the parable of the talents. It's a very awkward story where Jesus offends all of us, right? So this is the story where he says that there was a master who was going away and he gave talents to some of his servants. He gave five to one, three to another, and one to the third. And he basically says, steward this money as though it's my own or as though it's your own. And then he comes back sometime later and the one with five has invested that money and made 10. He now has 10. The one with three has also increased the money that he was given. And the one with one buried the money. What does he say? He says, I know you to be a cruel master. In other words, he was too afraid to lose what had been invested in him that he did nothing with it. Now, this to me is really the difference between saving and wealth mentality, right? What do we do with the money? Now, I am not trying to say you shouldn't save money. Listen, hear me. You need to save money. That is a huge, important thing. What I'm saying to you is simply saving alone is not the kingdom way to handle finances. Why? Well, because basically what you're doing is saying, I don't trust what's coming in the future. I don't trust who is in my future. So I have to hoard and buckle down with what I have right now. When we operate in a wealth mentality in faith, what we're doing is we are trusting the Lord to provide every day of our life. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't add in right here that the reality is God does not provide in the same way in every season of our life. Sometimes he provides in abundance. Sometimes he provides in just enough. And our job is to guard our heart, which we're going to talk about later. So I'm not at all saying that we should assume that whatever abundance we have in our life right now is always going to be there. What I'm saying is hoarding and burying out of fear that God might not be waiting for us in our future is not a kingdom concept. I heard one entrepreneur who is a millionaire several times over say this quote, and it was really interesting. He said, I'm not afraid of losing money because I have learned how to make money. I was like, this is so interesting. He said, look, it's not about, um, you know, I'm not going to be devastated if I lose it. Now, it would be a frustration and a bummer, but I know I could get out there and do the same things again and make money. It reminds me of Proverbs 10, 22, which you're going to hear me say multiple times over the next couple of weeks. This scripture is so important. It says the blessing of the Lord enriches and he adds no sorrow to it. Deuteronomy 8, 18, it is the Lord that helps you create wealth. I'm paraphrasing on that one. What are we talking about here? We're talking about having the mindset that can generate income, not just having the mindset who can deny ourselves so that we don't ever spend the little income that we have coming in. That's what a wealth mentality is. Now, if I've lost you already, I hope you can hang in there a little bit longer. Let's talk about one more thing before we dive into the specific three biblical principles. I'm going to use the term abundance a lot. 
And I want to just clarify that abundance is not necessarily referring to Rolls-Royce level abundance. It's referring to the concept of having more than enough. For one person, more than enough could be making $5,000 a month on a, a paycheck and, and really having a good margin of, of finances to give and invest and all of that. For somebody else, it could be making $50,000. So I'm not saying that there is a threshold that God wants all believers to have. What I'm saying is that abundance in the Lord means having more than enough just in general. It means that God is going to provide for you. God is going to provide for you amply. And where we get off track when we think about biblical finances is we begin to intermix greed in the understanding of abundance. But hear me when I say this to you. Greed turns abundance into arrogance. And abundance without greed is actually a godly thing. See, you can have abundance and not have greed. But when you intermix greed into the abundance that God is bringing to you, well, then that's where we get the arrogant people who cannot be bothered to drive a Honda because they you know, can only grace their bodies inside of a, a Mercedes Benz or something like that. That type of person that, that we all kind of cringe a little bit about has intermixed abundance and greed and created arrogance in themselves. And that is not godly, of course. But abundance in itself, abundance devoid of greed is actually about as godly as you can get. Why? Because we are made in the image of abundance itself. We are made in the image of a God who has like dripping opulence. That's how he created heaven. Read what the Bible says about heaven. We're talking about all types of precious stones and, and a sea of glass and, and a rainbow of jewels. And I mean, God is extravagant. Now, again, I'm not saying that God is saying each and every one of his children needs to be extravagant in that way. In fact, I don't really think that's biblical either. But it, it is, if we read the Bible and what it actually says, we see that God actually enjoys clothing his children in nice things. He enjoys giving them something good. I heard a preacher say once that the evangelism strategy of the Israelites up until Jesus was uh, evangelism through jealousy. Look at all the things God has done for us. Don't you want to be one of us? Now, that's a really uncomfortable thing for a lot of Christians these days to think about because we have married pride and greed and arrogance so much with abundance that we can't understand how somebody could have abundance without those things. But I'm telling you, Jesus did, and Jesus wants you to experience that as well. Again, I'm not saying he wants everybody to live in a giant house with really nice cars. I'm saying he wants you to experience knowing the feeling that not only do you have more than enough, but he is taking care of your future as well. So let's dive into these three specific biblical principles. The first one is this stewardship. The first biblical wealth mindset principle that you need to have is healthy stewardship. What does it mean to be a steward? It means you are managing someone else's something as if it was your own. Now, my husband and I, the way that we like to look at finances is every dollar in our bank account is actually God's money. That's actually, you know, God brought it into our, our lives and we get to discern what we're supposed to do with it. So the way we do that is we look at it through the lens of what we call bread and seed. 
So bread would be the provision that God has given us for today. And some of the income that we make, some of the money in our hand is absolutely bread. It goes to clothe us, pay our electric bill, put food on the table, those types of things. But some of the money that God has in our hands right now is also seed. And seed is what prepares tomorrow's bread. Seed is what we invest so that we can have a crop in our future. If all we do is eat our seed... We are going to have struggles in the future, not because God wasn't providing, but because we were not stewarding. So there's a lot of principles we could dive into with this, but let me just tell you from a biblical perspective, we're talking about being faithful in the little, right? Those who are faithful in the little become rulers over much. What does that mean? That means that you treat what you have today with honor. If you are living on an income where you make $1,000 a month right now, you might feel like you're really struggling. You might feel like you are you know, really wanting to live a different life. I want to challenge you to steward what you have well. Look, a wise man said this to me once, and it has proved true time and time again. If you are waiting to have more income to be able to give, you are being sorely deceived. What do I mean by that? A lot of us think, well, when I have more coming in, then I will tithe. Listen, I want to tell you, the more you have coming in, it is just as painful to give it away. It is just as painful to tithe unless you get your mindset correct, that the money that comes into you does not actually belong to you. God is parking his abundance in your bank account and you get to partner with him about how to use that money. So you got to pay attention to what's bread and what's seed. My husband loves the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I didn't particularly love it, but it is a good a good book if you've never read anything on finances. It's a great starting point. And there's a principle that comes from this book and some others that talks about the 10-10-10 rule. And essentially 10% of everything you make, you should be saving. 10% of everything you make, you should be preparing to invest in the future. And 10% of everything you make, you should be giving away. So in this model, which I'm not saying is the be all end all model, but in this model, what you're doing is training yourself from day one, that the money that you have today is not just for today. So what does that look like? Well, in our personal family, this is one of the things that we do. We have a bank account that is specifically for investing. So, you know, when it began, it was pretty small. There wasn't much we could invest in with the couple hundred dollars that were in it. But over time, as we put money aside month after month after month, we were able to have something that we could actually use to invest somehow, whether that's the stock market or in a rental property or, you know, I don't know, a a business venture, whatever, we have money set aside for that. I'm telling you, when we made this change, it was so painful. It was painful to look at 10% of today's money as something that I don't even know what we're going to do with. It's something in the far off future that, you know, we're hoping will be something good. It's a discipline to make the, the, the organization in your finances today like you want it to be. The 10-10-10 rule is a great way to get started. In stewardship, we also have to talk about tithing a little bit, right? So tithing is an interesting perspective that a lot of us don't agree on. Some think that 10% right off the top is what you have to give to the Lord. Some feel like God's not going to fault you if you don't tithe. Others of us, you know, look at it from a new covenant perspective and realize that actually biblically in the New Testament, we're not required to give 10%. We're required to treat all the money as though it is God's. In other other scriptures, it tells us to give every time 
anytime somebody in need asks you. So without, you know, in the new covenant, my personal opinion, and, and you can gather your own opinion, is that 10% is the beginning threshold of what we give to the Lord. 10% is where we start. But if you're still giving 10% after 15, 20 years with the Lord, I think you might be missing out on opportunities to grow your faith. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is that finances are one of the best ways God uses to grow our faith. It's something that, you know, the system of money doesn't exist in heaven, right? God does not need coins and dollar bills and all of that in heaven. He doesn't use that. But he, he created that system for the earth, I think, as an opportunity to teach us something about ourselves and about him. So we go on this journey of faith. We go on this journey of risk with the Lord, and we'll talk about that more later. And when we do that, we actually increase what we're giving because he asks us to stretch our faith in that way. I remember at one point in our lives um, a while back, the Lord really put it on my husband's heart to start tithing 20%. And I really struggled when he told me that. I'm just going to be transparent with you. I'm a little bit farther behind him on faith and finances. Uh, I, I come from a family that uh, is very frugal in how they approach finances. And so it was really difficult for me to imagine giving away what I perceived to be more than the biblical requirement. Why would we do that, right? And in that process of giving 20% for a season, I think we did that for a little over a year, I learned so much about my faith. I learned so much about trusting God. I, and we were not, we didn't suffer for it one bit. The next year, my husband said, okay, I want to up it tomorrow. I want us to give 30%. And I was like, ah, are you trying to kill me with heart attacks? You know, 30% just to tithe. And I thought, okay, okay, can I do this? And I, I, I prayed about it and I didn't really have an answer. And so I said, I'm just going to, you know, honor you. I'm going to submit to you for what you feel like the Lord is saying and let's go for it. After about three or four months of tithing at 30%, I struggled so much. Every check that I wrote, I felt almost like more and more begrudgingly about it. And I was so convicted because the Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver, right? And I'm writing this check and I'm telling the Lord, I don't feel cheerful, Lord. I don't feel happy to give this amount of money. I'm really struggling. And when I prayed about it again, I felt like the Lord said, you've stepped over the line of where your faith is you know? And so it's okay to step back a little bit and work on your faith in that way. So I asked my husband, would it be okay with you? I feel like I don't actually have the grace for this. And he said, yeah, that's fine. And so we went back down to 20% for a little while. And I don't know that we ever fully, you know, adopted 30% month after month kind of thing. But what we did was that became the beginning of a conversation with the Lord about finances. What do you want me to give this month, God? 10% is the threshold. What above that do you want me to give? We don't always give it to our local church. Sometimes we give it to uh, ministries, organizations, people who have need, that kind of thing. But we have a, a standard that we have set in our lives. And what I'm saying to you is that standard has been equally challenging at every level of income that we have had. As God has grown our business, as God has added to us in all kinds of financial ways, what we've discovered is that it doesn't get any easier as the finances go forward and increase. And why I'm saying that to you is that you need to know it's a discipline to give, it's a discipline to save, and it's a discipline to put something aside to invest in your future. All right, we're going to kind of go long today because we've just got so much content for this. Um, and so I want to get to number two of the biblical wealth mindsets. Number two is, so number one is stewardship. Number two is increase without agony. 
increase without agony. This is so, so important. I was very privileged growing up. I had uh, the opportunity to be friends with a lot of people who had a lot of abundance financially in their life. And, um, and what I can tell you is a lot of people who have a lot of money are very, very miserable. They're very miserable. You might heard that joke, you know, more money, more problems. And it is very much true. I don't know very many wealthy people who have uh, who don't struggle in some sort of agony about their finances. And it should not be that way. Proverbs 10, tells us that the blessing of the Lord actually brings wealth without sorrow, without sorrow. Now, where does this come from? The sorrow often comes because we've attached our identity to what's in our bank account. And we're going to talk about that more on a later episode in this series. But the second biblical principle that we have to understand is God will bring increase. And when God brings it, he brings it without sorrow and without agony. Why? Because we trust him in our tomorrow and our inheritance and our faith is in him alone, not in what his hand provides. Did you catch that? It's in him, in who he is, in his character, in his nature, not in what he does for us. This will stretch you and increase you as you increase. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, right, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When people experience increase financially, sometimes they put their treasure, they put their heart in the treasures of this world, in their car, in a vacation they got to take, in the new purse they've been idolizing and wanting to have. But what does Jesus tell us to do? Put your treasure in me. Let me be your treasure. Put your heart in me. And whatever else just kind of is, it doesn't mean you don't enjoy it. My family, we've been privileged to have some pretty fantastic vacations in our life, you know, and it's awesome. It's awesome to sit on the beach and watch a sunset and, and, and be in a setting where, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, making money, like we're not we're not losing money by not working in that moment. And we're going to talk about passive income on a later episode too. It's an amazing feeling, but it pales in comparison to knowing the person of Jesus and my treasure being him himself, not just in the things that he gives. The third biblical wealth principle mindset that we're talking about today is that you will be blessed to be a blessing. You will be blessed to be a blessing. See, where the arrogance thing comes in that we talked about at the beginning of this episode, where that becomes this sneaky sort of snake that that tries to devour what God wants to do in your life is you begin to think it's all about you. The king complex, right? A friend of mine and I used to joke when we had very little money to our name, we would joke about how if we could get to Cambodia, we'd be kings for a day, right? Because everything in Cambodia is a lot cheaper than in America. And sometimes we'd go out to dinner at like a Chili's and we'd spend maybe $30 between the three of us at this restaurant. And, and that was like, that was like mega, you know, night out for us. That was a huge amount of money. And we would clink our water glasses together at the, and say, Kings of Cambodia, you know, and in this moment, we feel like we're living like Kings and, uh, man, and I've come a long way since then. Thank you, Jesus. But the thing is that when we get to that kind of kingly mentality, what we do is we start to think that the abundance is all about me. It's for me. God loves me. God wants me to prosper. God, you know, and it's all about me, me, me. This is where I get so infuriated with some of the televangelists that are out there that are like, you know, type amen and God will bring you $10,000 and it's all about you. And what I'm saying to you is biblically, the increase God brings is very little about you and so much about the kingdom. 
God needs healthy, spirit-filled people, faith-filled people to have a lot of money in their bank account to fund the things that are on this earth that God wants to do. It's just true. And he struggles because so many believers struggle to allow him to get into his mindset. Now, of course, God doesn't struggle in the way I just made that sound. But it is true. He is hindered by our inability to understand the mindset of God, to understand the wealth of God, to be afraid of money instead of recognizing that God wants to put money in your hands so that you can do something powerful with it, not to build your own empire, but to build his we are blessed to be a blessing. This is the biblical standard. When Abraham was given opulence in every way, it was given to build up the nation of Israel. When Joseph was positioned in Pharaoh's house to bring abundant wealth into Egypt, he was positioned there to actually save Israel during the famine that was to come. Israel itself walking in tremendous abundance to be a blessing to the other nations of the earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God will never elevate you as if your individualism overrides the, the whole. You are a part of the kingdom of God. You will never not be a part of the kingdom of God when you're in Christ Jesus. And so what that means is that when you are blessed, you are blessed to be a blessing. A lot of times God will stretch you financially to give into other things. But when we go back to the stewardship mindset, we realize that maybe God gave you that money for that purpose right there. Maybe that money that God gave you was never about you. It was about something else, right? We have to understand our stewardship. We have to allow God to increase us without sorrow. And we have to recognize that we are being blessed to be a blessing to other people. Let me just end you on this bonus thought. I, I asked my husband, you know, what's your favorite biblical mindset about wealth? And uh, this is what he said. He said, God loves to partner with people who have his heart. And we're going to talk more about that in a coming episode. But I want to end on that and just, just say to you, God loves to partner with people who have his heart. What does that mean? That means that we pursue increase for the sake of the kingdom, not for the sake of ourselves. That we pursue uh, growth and exponential growth of our pocketbooks, not so that we can have nicer and nicer things, but so that we can grow with the Lord and be a bigger blessing to the kingdom of God. What would it look like, friends, if your church was filled with people with this mindset, with such a giving mentality, with this acts to giving mentality where, you know, they would even sell their own home, their own property to give to advance the kingdom of God? Well, you got to have a stewardship perspective. You've got to have an increase mentality and you've got to understand that your blessing is to be used beyond you as well. Not just, you know, I don't want to say it's never about you. It is about you and your kids and your grandkids, but it all is also about the kingdom of God. All right, that's enough for today's episode. Join us next week where we're going to talk more about building wealth, uh, wealth mindsets in particular. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed. <laughs>